Welcome back, everybody. We have another episode of the Fraud Boxer Podcast coming at you today. Today, I am joined by Patrick Chen from Spec. I am really excited about this one because this is an episode that I think has uh, some technology on the forefront of what we're doing. And I think a lot of us will have questions about what it is and how it works because it is the low code, no code thing. And we see that everywhere. We see people talking about it. But what does that really mean? Today, we're going to peel apart the layers of that onion. So how are you doing today, Patrick? I'm doing well, Jordan. How are you doing? I, I'm doing well, and I really am loving the fact that we have a whole nother pro audio set up here. These ones sound so good when we have like microphones and headphones involved in the recording. It sounds like we're actually in a studio together, uh, despite doing this over Zoom. So I am super happy for that. So just uh, I just want you to know, I love to see it. <laughs> All right. Glad we can uh, make it happen. So we've known each other for a little while, quite a few years now. Um, I think I met you way back in the day when I was at Fandango, and I believe you were at Threat Metrics. And you guys used to always have the um, the Silverado uh, event. Well, a couple of times you did it, and you did one up in, uh, if I'm not mistaken, you did one in Tahoe, and then we did one in in uh, Palm Springs area. And those were yep. really, really, really great events for for just your guys' users there. So I've known you from those. Uh, yeah, and then I also... Um, I believe that uh, my old roommate, Eamon Murphy, uh, you used to, to to work with as well over there. Yeah, he was my cube mate. So he sat right behind me with, uh, you know, the uh, what the original fraud Jedi himself. That's the man himself, the man, the myth, the legend. Yeah, I met him uh, years and years and years even before that, I believe, when he was at the gift card company uh, and that he he made the transition over to you guys. And I. I went up in, to the Bay Area to go work for Gift, uh, and he. I moved in. He was very kind to open his doors for me to move in until I got settled. And we had a, a Lemony Snicket series of unfortunate events that wound up uh, with us having to move real quick. And then we ended up uh, becoming long-term roommates while my whole time when I was up there in the Bay Area, just uh, not too far from the, the Threat Metrics offices right there in downtown San Jose. Right. So, uh, like I said, I've known you for a while there. Uh, I always like to ask people that I have on this, like how they got into fraud, because it's always a, a, an interesting thing because none of us like started out with plans to be in fraud. We all just kind of wound up in fraud. So how did you get into fraud? Right. It's like, there's no like major for fraud, right? Nor does any like, buddy really know what fraud is unless you're in the industry. But uh, I think like a lot of folks I got in from customer like support, tech support, um, you know, got access to like, you know, like a database to run SQL queries on, like learn that on the fly. And then I think, you know, once you get access to data and you can start to look at and identify weird things, you just kind of start to gravitate towards yeah. like fraud risk, et cetera. It's one of those things that like, if you start to see a pattern, you know, it's what you do with it kind of determines your future, you know, like, do you tell somebody else or do you start to take the actions yourself? Yeah. And then I think those people that start to take the actions themselves, they're like us. They wind up uh, like us. And, you know, but not everybody that, that starts out that way winds up as the uh, co-founder of the company. So I think you, uh, you've you made quite a name for yourself, but you, you you spent some time at some other places before. Let's talk about those a little bit, just so we can get a little more in your background here. Yeah. From a tech perspective, been in kind of payments um, a little bit, but been at CashEdge, which was a uh, payment startup that was acquired by Fiserv, uh, went to Threat Metrics after that, which was acquired by Lexus. Then went to, you know, quote unquote, the merchant sides with, uh, mm. with eBay and then also with uh, Payrix, which is a payment facilitator startup that also got acquired. So, so you got bought drinks for a little while instead of having to buy the drinks. So 
that must have been a, a nice little change of pace there, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, of course, like all startups go get acquired or something, right? Like, is that just the natural uh, progression? The uh, I think that, that, that those two, those two Cash Edge and the, and the Threat Metrics acquisitions, like were, were pretty big ones. You know, Fiserv is, is, a, is a big name. They bought up, they gobbled up everything. And obviously LexisNexis is doing their version of that and gobbling up everything. I think that that LexisNexis acquisition of Threat Metrics was like our first big, 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 big one that happened in our industry. You know, like there's been some pretty large ones since then with like Ikata and emailage, but like that threat metrics one was like the first of like the big, huge acquisitions there. Right. Uh, and I know you guys had spent a really long time on that product over there, making it what it was. And, and I, I still use it to this day. Uh, I, I got away from it for a little while, but then I came back to it there and like what it's become now it's 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 its own monster, you know. And I I was spending some time over the probably a little, a little bit a while ago, a little bit over a year ago, working with uh, some of your product team there uh, from a merchant's perspective, trying to tell them like what what we as merchants are looking for from the product, so they could kind of enhance the offering that they have because it's so comprehensive right now, you know. Like it can be a little overwhelming, so I was trying to help them like. Uh, find a way for us to to peel back the layers and make it a, a little less daunting when somebody looks at it. But I think you left shortly after the acquisition and went to eBay, if I'm not mistaken, right? Correct. Yeah. And like, you know, what you, you hit on is like, you know, like the evolution from like a device and, you know, IP reputation company into kind of that full-fledged digital identity uh, capability. So it was fun to be a part of. Yeah, that was that had to be really cool to see it to morph that much because it is a very much a uh, enterprise comprehensive solution now. So you you spent your time at these places here. You got a couple of cash outs, you know, bro down as they say on South Park. But then uh, you you did the merchant side. But then you decided to to found a company. So let's talk about that a little bit. Talk about that process, how that idea happened. Uh, I know Nate's done some some other podcasts here. So, I mean, the story's probably been shared a little bit before, but this is my podcast and I would like to hear the story for myself. <laughs> All right. I mean, like it, it really came from, I think the the idea for spec really manifested because Nate and I ran client uh, engagement at Threat, right? Working pre-sales and implementations and, you know, working with customers after they go live. Um, and we just really saw merchants struggle, like to, you know, really operationalize threat metrics. We then went to eBay, uh, eBay had this huge swing, right? Like, you know, like getting off of PayPal onto Adyen, bringing all of the payout, like risk in-house, like it was, you know, like a really awesome, you know, initiative to be a part of. Um, but we saw the same problem there where it's just like, how's, how can it be so hard to hook up an API? Yeah. Like, what are, what are we missing? Right. And um, you know, that's really where the idea for spec came from. It's just like, let's solve a different problem. There's all these great solutions out there. There's a lot of great vendors out there for everything from KYC to payments to, um, you know, everything in between authentication, you know, like SMS verification and all of that. Um, we didn't feel like, you know, starting like the 395th, like API provider was really the thing. Um, we wanted to solve the problem. I think that plagues a lot of companies, um, which is like all of that engineering effort needed to, mm -hmm. Um, you know, develop and operationalize uh, your solutions. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's super important. Like I myself have been through a ton of implementations and depending on the size of the company and the resources that you have behind you, some of those can be shorter. Some of those could be longer. And I will say most of the time they wind up on the longer side. So like 12 to 18 months. And that's a long time. And it, it gets to be like, into this mode of like you're implementing for so long when the day actually comes that you cut over it it doesn't even seem real because it just seems like your whole life is just 
another day, another working on this implementation and trying to figure out and iron out the, the kinks before that go live. And when that, that go live actually happens, usually it's a little less ceremonious than I think most people would realize because you're just so tired. And yeah. I think that, you know, especially for me in the past, you have to look at, like, there's a lot of, of salespeople that come at you with these, these new shiny products. And they may sound great and they may be great. But the problem is, is usually you're in a long-term deal with your current provider and to get the buyout, or the buy-in to switch out that product to something else might be non-existent. So you could really love it and they could have everything that you want to have, but you might not even be able to get it because the like the juice, it just isn't worth the squeeze to, to rip out what you have and start over again. And I think that like with you guys, you know, specifically, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, it, it makes it a little different about that. So let's talk about spec in what it specifically is. And I believe you have a product called Trust Cloud. And tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, we, we call it a trust cloud. So it's a no-code customer journey orchestration platform. Um, it takes data from any customer interaction, and you can utilize workflows to call out to any third party or internal APIs. And then most importantly, take action anywhere in that customer experience. So you're not dependent on you know, that one checkpoint, like, you know, that, uh, yeah. you know, some engineering personnel put in like three years ago. Right. And that's the only place you have to enforce your actions. So that's, that's a great point there. Like, I think, especially for, for us legacy fraud folks that have been in the industry for a really long time is we always started with our fraud check was at when you click the checkout button, like that's when we did yeah. the checkout like the, or the fraud check. And then we started having ATOs and logins. So we tried to put fraud tools on login, you know, some of us did. And then we had all sorts of uh, like gift card uh, checking, balance checking. So we tried to put a fraud tool there. And then now we have people trying to change emails. So we, put a, we want to put a fraud check there. But all of these places to add these fraud checks, like we have to do an implementation there. We have to put an API call in, we have to tweak it, we have to set a policy for that, we have to test it, and then we have to deploy it, you know, and that could take, again, another 12 to 18 months just to get that one spot done. And I think with you guys, it's it's an interesting thing. So there's two parts in there that you said that is is, is super interesting. So the, the where a customer can take any of their data interactions at all and workflow to any API. So I'm assuming to me that means like, essentially, I... I integrate to you and then it's your guys' job to integrate to the partner. So kind of like what we would think in payments as like a gateway. So you're my gateway to all of these other partners. Is that is that the correct way to put it? Yeah. Like I think a fraud and trust gateway is exactly how we would describe it internally. In fact, we've described it internally. I think some companies we've worked with called it a, a fraud or a trust gateway in the okay. past. But yeah, that's absolutely on point. And I think the other part of that is, is we have like when we the quote unquote integration, because this low code, no code thing is, we'll talk about that in a little bit too, is when you do it, you get all the touch points, including future touch points that haven't even been built yet, right? Right, exactly. So the the way we work is we sit in the network. So we're agnostic to any backend um, experience changes, right? So, you know, with the, the merchants you've been at, you know that it's not just the fraud attack like vectors that change, like your site's changing, your customer, yep. your good customers. And sometimes they forget changing. about me. <laughs> yeah. They're just like, oh, we changed this thing. It's like, oh, we broke threat metrics. My bad. Like we'll I think like three months. Exactly. And like the whole world of like distributed commerce, you know, like with like having Facebook stores and all of those, like a lot of times the fraud people get forgot on, on that, you know, like they're so excited to get this new channel live that sometimes they, uh, they forget to to talk to me, you know, and I, and I, I, I have a, 
I raise hell in all of my companies all the time when when they do this. I'm and I make sure that like I must be a checklist, like a checkbox on the go live list. Like on if if you have to print out a piece of paper that you have, everybody has to check all their teams marketing. Everybody has to have buy in. I need to be in one of those boxes too before you go live because so right. many times I've I've all of a sudden just started getting ripped on a fraud channel. I'm like, what is this? Why has nobody ever told me about this? I didn't even know it existed. Digital good, like all digital gift cards, no big deal, right? Like, yeah, it's like it there's out. no risk there, you know, not at all. But I think that that's uh, that's a really compelling thing, you know. If 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 there's a way to, like I said, I'm gonna say it again, quote unquote, integrate to one place and get all of the things. Um, and then rely on you guys to form the partnerships, you know, whether I need them yet or I don't is an interesting thing. So so I'm going to ask that even though we, it's kind of a loaded question, but why does it exist? Like like you kind of touched on like you guys you guys had saw this had this problem. But can you can you dive a little deeper into to why this this exists, like why you guys exist? Yeah. So I, we think we, you know, we exist certainly because of this problem, I think, with borrowed engineering resources. And I would say even in, you know like businesses that I've been at that where we've been lucky enough to have dedicated engineering resources. There's only so much that these engineers can do. And there's just so much like high level work that they need to do to make sure that, you know, the businesses are acquiring top line revenue. Um, so it really makes it hard to respond to these fraud threats, right? It's really, you know, what you just described as kind of being pushed to the back burner where it's just like, you know, if like, you know, the scenario ever exists where everything was done, like then they'll go and do your thing, right? But there's always the next product experience that they need to build out and so on and so forth. So what, you know, what our, you know, our enterprise customers are, are seeing is exactly that, like borrowed engineering resources and with spec, they're empowered to outpace bad actors, but also to enable their engineers to go work on the uh, revenue generating things to roll out like gift cards or new product lines to tackle new geographies that have maybe different uh, compliance requirements. So I, I am going to admit to my audience, I have cheated a little bit and I have seen uh, a demo of this on working on my own website. Uh, and it's pretty cool. <laughs> like it's, uh, it's, it's really interesting. So, so what are some of the things that you guys are doing uh, to change the world? And then we're going to dive into the specifics of, of what, what it is, like what no, low code, no code means. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, at spec we're, we're, you know, using, you know, to use some marketing and cheesy terms, like, you know, we're building like unity and trust uh, and innovation in the world. Right. So we're breaking down silos. So, you know, at large organizations, like the data could live amongst like different engineering teams, like authentication data, registration data, PCI data is spread all across. Um, moreover, like engineer, like, uh, like solutions providers, like are in competition with each other for the same resources. Right. So you'll have, KYC providers trying to yeah. get into like device and digital identity and so on and so forth, where like, I think, you know, we, if we could give a uh, environment where all of these vendors could do like what they do best and ensure that they get fully integrated, like the the win is for all of these great merchants and the people that will lose will be the uh, the fraudsters and attackers. It's really interesting. The, uh, the, the, the team silos and like the different solution providers, like I've had um, lately a lot of of non-fraud industry people approaching me with fraud tools like they had it's like a lot like marketing experience folks um, and customer experience folks like teams like companies like that are outside of our industry that exist solely to track how like customer experience journeys happen but they have fraud tools they say so they they're trying to get in like slide into my dms to uh talk to me about their tools but it's, it's interesting i actually uh, i've talked to a couple just to see what what they're up to and their approach is 
and I, and I think it's it's good to to look at, at these sorts of things, you know, to see because we're used to our approach. Like we've mm-hmm. we've been in this industry for over a decade. We we're used to this type of approach, and it's interesting to see how other people that are from the outside are tackling it uh, with with their software and, and morphing their software. And I think that there definitely is um, usefulness in some of those softwares, but they're not still like they're not something that can be used for for a primary thing. Um, right. So here is the the meat and bones of uh, why I wanted to have you on here because I saw it. It's cool. Um, I saw a demo live on my actual site too without me ever doing anything. Um, you guys just fired up a demo and showed me exactly how it works. You showed me in a third-party fraud tool all of my stuff. So you showed me that third-party tool working. Um, what is no-code and what is low-code because – Everybody has these buzzwords. It's like uh, AI. It's like machine learning was to us three or four years ago. Now, everybody's got some no-code, low-code. I even saw a whole webinar earlier about it today on LinkedIn. So I would love it if you could just explain it like we're five. What is no-code and what is low-code? All right. I'll happy. I'll be happy to take a shot at it. And I, I think you know, I'll cover it in general and what it, I think it means for our industry. Perfect. Um, so in general, like a low code platform or no code platform is just somewhere, something that accelerates software development, right? So oftentimes there'll be some UI component where business leaders like you can go in and drag and drop certain workflows, things that normally had to be written by engineers in code, right? Makes, you know, like there's a platform that makes it easy for non-engineers to be able to utilize them to do some of the things that you would naturally have engineers do. Additionally, for engineers, like a lot of no-code or low-code platforms offload some of like that tedious stuff that they have to do over and over again, getting access to data and all of that good stuff. So uh, these platforms are really designed for like, you know, often designed for engineering teams to support business teams, which is natural for fraud, trust, and safety and payments. So I think that like where for me, like when I was originally talking to you guys uh, just about some of my own business before this was way before the podcast stuff, this is actual business stuff. Uh, we, in my head, I had this picture of, yeah, it's no code, low code, but after I code to you. So there had to be some initial API call built to you. And that was where, like, I always thought it was just another buzzword, just another thing you use. Like it's yeah, no code, low code after, after the work's done, you know, which would put us kind of in the gateway realm, you know, because then I could, I would have to code to you, map my XML or JSON to exactly like name goes here, first name, last name, you know, email goes here. But after all that work's done, then, you know, then I could just click it out because then you guys are doing that mapping on the back end for yourselves. But how you guys actually do it is, I was completely wrong. And I don't like to admit that I'm wrong very often, but I was wrong here. I was wrong. (laughs) No, I mean, I think it's a natural way to think about things, right? Because in our industry today, like there's a lot of purported no code um, solutions, but as you described it, I think it's no code after you have a bunch of engineers code up the integration. So you're just like, okay, so where's the no code part? Oh, it's after you do all the code. And it's like, you got to do the maintenance on it, right? So you have to have engineers do the maintenance on it. You know, like as customer experience changes, if you go to like a 2.0 for your customer experience, you got to recode to that, yep. right? So, it, you know, to us, like we understand why the industry has like kind of moved in that direction, but we're, you know, we consider ourselves a slightly different beast, right? There literally is not any application engineering work needed to be done to connect to our platform. So how do you do it? Tell me the secret. 
All right. So I think what you saw is like, we do it through a, a network configuration change. So like our customers go live in like a five minute configuration. There's a little bit of planning that goes into it to understand, you know, kind of the network routes. Um, there's a lot of like sitting around in awkward silence, like watching network traffic flow through and making sure it's hitting all the new uh, checkpoints, but that's all it takes to put our platform in work or in, in use. As you saw, we actually piped like our sales engineer, Anthony's laptop, through our platform, pointed it at your site, and then we're able to make configurations on it. Um, so like things like third-party workflows, calling out to third parties, uh, implementing um, you know, uh, solutions providers was all done without engineering, without us even have met your engineering teams. Yeah, that was super cool, by the way. So it's my understanding that you guys then load what you need using my DevOps team at the content delivery network, so the CDN level. So Cloudflare, Akamai, Fastly, whatever. We all use one. Everybody uses one, whether you realize it or not. Like your your website uses one, everybody. Um, so you put it there, which usually like, you know, we have certain things that like those, those companies provide to us too, you know, as far as like bot mitigation and, and those sorts of things. But that means that all the traffic that ever hits your, your web servers flows through a CDN at some point. So that's where we're sticking it, and that's how you're getting the data. Am I am I right? Am I wrong? Am I explaining it wrong? <laughs> yeah, you're capturing most of it. And for the CDN, like most enterprises have a CDN. To your point, we can also do it via DNS, which is how the network, you know, like how oh. when I go into the browser and load www.mysite.com, yeah. like you know, my browser finds uh, your site. So like we can do it that way as well. Um, so that's still a, a DevOps um, led action that takes a couple of minutes. Interesting. Yeah, I was having a lot of DNS issues when I was trying to point Fraudboxer back to the new podcast uh, host there. It was breaking my email because I had the uh, my DNS that I had on my web host at the time was uh, that they were handling the redirect and I had forgotten that I did that like a decade ago. So that was that was real fun. But I fixed it. We're back in business now, nice. you know. Um, yeah, keep going on. Tell me more. Just tell me more. Tell me all the yeah. things. Yeah. So sitting in line gives us access to all the information that is needed for a workflow or, you know, calling to a third party, or even just understand what the heck is the consumer doing in, in, on my site? Are they abusing other, you know, customers? Are they literally trying to extract money from me? Are they a good customer and maybe just forgot their password? Like sitting in the network flow, we see all of that data. Right. So we can grab the data. Your engineers don't need to go into multiple databases to grab all this data. They can, you know, utilize our platform and grab it directly from the network stream. Uh, our workflow capabilities let you build logic and policies as, you know, the industry calls them for what you want to do, like, you know, when customers perform certain actions. And then most importantly, we can take action anywhere in that customer journey. So we can redirect to a you know, high, like uh, a higher authentication workflow. We can remove friction. We can stop payments from going through if that's what you want to do. All of that's accessible in that network traffic, you know, without like, again, having to like work with engineers and having them develop uh, on the application itself. So, I mean, I'm granted this, I'm going to have to ask you to play devil's advocate. That sounds kind of scary. So is there any, is there any downsides to doing it this way? Besides like you could blow up my whole thing without like, like, let's say I didn't pay you <laughs> and then you yeah. could just, uh, essentially you could stop all my traffic. Right. But I mean, right. that, that's, that's, that's not what I'm really looking for. But are there, are there any besides that, besides sabotage, <laughs> are there any real downsides to doing it this way? Is there any latency issues? 
um do you do you miss anything do you lose out on anything doing it this way like any of the device stuff um is there is there any downside at all yeah so i the what you just described like customers have full control over it so they can route to us or around us right so our customers do maintain full control so even like you know, we wouldn't be able to turn turn it off on just our side without our customers being able to oh. just reroute, right? So, it's so like, there is fail safes in there. <laughs> yeah, like routing on takes a few minutes. So like routing off takes also a few minutes, right? Um, so that's, uh, that's not a concern that uh, like our customers have. Um, what we're able to, to do uh, from a latency perspective, like that's where like a lot of our engineering horsepower goes. So it's like sub millisecond latency to open up an HTTPS packet see where it needs to go and send it along uh, along its way. Interesting. Right. And then, so, so on the other side of that, like, so after, with, when the data is flowing through to you, going real quick latency to you, then you have providers, solution providers that you have partnerships with on your side. Can you can you name a few of those partners? Yeah, so we like we work very closely with SIFT. We, we love our friends at SIFT. We work closely with Secure as well. Um, you know, mm -hmm. and then from there on, there's, there's tons of providers that we're working with, um, too. Largely we're agnostic to the providers and, you know, merchants will bring their own providers and bring their own API keys and we'll plug it in and get it live. So I could have my own existing relationship with a company like SIFT if I wanted to, and then pass through you guys in order to make the actual integration happen. Yeah, absolutely. And we'd get SIFT's JavaScript hooked up everywhere. All of the um, API calls that you want, all of the follow-on calls to like update things, like if your team flags things as suspicious in a manual review, hitting payment gateways, getting you know early chargeback data to identifying patterns and going back and updating those previous sessions that, hey, like we didn't know this was bad, but these are all bad now. So SIFT can train their models. Like all of that becomes code-free and super easy on spec. Very interesting. Uh, I mean, I just have so many questions. I think I'd have to probably just spend more time in there, you know, but that's cool. The update thing, because I think that, you know, a lot of the modern tools require that feedback loop. So if I could build that without having to build that, that would be super helpful because I always have to build that and it sucks. Yeah. Or like manually upload it in a batch, like, you know, once yeah. a month, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> then, yeah, then it's too late. Then it breaks. And then by the time the other guys on the other end get it done, it's too late. Yeah. A lot, a lot, a lot in there, you know? Um, wow, that's, that's super interesting. And, and you guys are continually onboarding like new partners on that side too, right? Yeah, we don't, we don't use our engineers to connect to it. Like we've built a platform that is agnostic to any end, like API endpoint we have access to. Um, so our team, uh, Anthony, who you met, uh, on our call, uh, he makes those connections. His team makes those connections. It takes, you know, for the first time, maybe like as little as a day to up to a week, depending on the complexity. And then they're just kind of drag and drop from there on. So another thing like, you know, we've, we've talked about the fraud piece of this, you know, for so long, and that's essentially what most people uh, end up talking about on here. But um, what about abuse? Like, what do you, have you guys tried to solve for anything there and that like uh, platform abuse, you know, rewards abuse, all those things that, that we're all talking about. And I'm always talking about uh, everywhere. Yeah, I think that's an interesting kind of parallel to like the the checkpoints, right? It's like, you know, it used to be like all fraud was payments fraud, right? And it was only chargebacks. And now it's just like, there's like ATO abuse, like endpoint abuse, you know, where people can, you know, gain like coupons or other things from various endpoints. And like all of that goes into the bucket of abuse. Um, So we absolutely are tackling all of that. There's interesting spots where like attackers hide, right? Where, you know, they 
can suppress the loading of JavaScript. They can even bypass the HTML page, but they really can't hide that network traffic. They have to surface and connect to your, you know, backend APIs in some ways. We tackle those as well. So there's literally nowhere for a fraudster to hide since we work on DNS and the CDN. They have no choice but to go through us. And we're able to extract kind of that behavioral data, identify the endpoints that they're hitting and surface that to our customers so they can build policies and workflows to address it. So can you do full blown like bot mitigation stuff with your partners too? Like, you know, like like perimeter X and human style stuff. Like in, in theory, you could be able to do even that much too, right? Like you could get even those through that. Uh, in theory, we can. Like we, we're unique in that we stitch together all the individual HTTPS sessions and we're looking at the behavior across all those sessions. Like we're not, though we open up like HTTPS packets to see, like see that data to see where we need to route it and what data is in there. That's not really our strong suit. Um, Got it. So, uh, we do, you know, our customers like work, like work, like install us with other bot mitigations tools, just like, you know, like you can squint and say like a workflow can do some of the things that SIF can do, but like, we're not out to replace SIF and our customers utilize this in conjunction. With yeah. I think that it's important to, to, to mention now that like you guys aren't a fraud prevention platform. You're a, a means to get to a fraud prevention platform. Uh, right. and like you're, you're the, you're the middle, you're the, you're the middle guy. You know, yeah, we're tackling so. the, you know, the problem that like we're, we've not seen any, you know, many other companies tackle, I would say, right, which is that engineering lift, right, to offload from your engineers that are out building, you know, like better customer experiences out delivering things that will generate value while kind of like leaving you high and dry sometimes, right? Yeah. <laughs> but we're, we're giving you guys the ability to uh, um, accelerate what you need to do. Yeah, I mean, I can think of a lot of things like marketing oftentimes has some grandiose ideas that I don't get to be in the room when, I, when they're whiteboarding those out and then they launch this, like, we'll give you 50 bucks if you fire up a new account. And then I'm like, hey, they're just going to make a thousand new accounts. And then, oh, by the way, you can transfer your rewards to one single account. Like these things are happening. And if, if I had something that was, it didn't matter, you know, and I could just, I could get in the, in the way of that on velocity somewhere that would be super useful. So I can, I could see this, like once people get comfortable with it, you know, really, really being like the future of how, how we approach our fraud prevention stuff, especially with the speed that, that we can deploy it, because I just want to come back to that. Like it really sucks to replace your fraud tool and put a new one in. It really, really, really sucks. And it takes so long and it's so frustrating and you get so burned out doing it. And like I said earlier, it's just by the time the day comes around, you just don't care anymore. And that's uh, that's just something that I just can't really ever stress enough. So what are some of the other issues that, that merchants are trying to, that they're facing that like you think like needs to be solved and that you might be able to help with? specifically. Yeah. And, you know, I'd be like eager to get your feedback here, but speed and flexibility is what we hear the most. Right. And it's like, I think, you know, like a lot of our industry talks about like, oh, how, like here's the signal to solve ATO, or here's the signal to solve synthetic identities, or here's the signal to solve like car testing. Right. But like, you know, I think what's missing is that like, you know, speed and flexibility, like you said, like, you know, ripping out and changing a fraud vendor mm -hmm. is, is like incredibly difficult, but adding on another one, is incredibly difficult in a different way, right? You're just like adding like another layer across like that entire uh, customer experience. So, so that's a that's a, actually a good question that I have before we, we move on in that piece there is, um, what if I wanted to have multiple things? Do I get to like daisy chain multiple fraud providers? Do I get to like pick the order that they're called in, all of that? 
Yeah, you have full control over all of that. If you want to A-B test multiple fraud vendors, um, you can do so. I think that's where- That makes POC is uh, a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, it makes POC is a lot easier for sure. Right, it's so really it's like every, every solutions provider gets live test, live traffic, so they can literally put their best foot forward. You don't get any of that. Well, we did an offline test and this vendor is like 13% better, they say, or this other vendor is like, will perform 32% better, so they say. And then you do 12 to 18 months of integration, you find out like- Yeah, uh, you know what sucks is like, <laughs> I've done a POC recently and like we had to do a full integration just to do the POC. Yeah. And like, if if the if you do a POC like that and it doesn't work out, like you've just wasted a ton of development resources and it's gonna be really hard for you to get those resources again if you wanna try it again. Um, so that's, it'd be really nice if we could, that A-B testing stuff, you know, can you run things in parallel too? Like yeah. what I, okay. Absolutely. Yeah, like at some of the merchants I've been at, it's like you had to know which under was better before you POC'd it, which like defeats the purpose. Yeah. And that's why you, you like give them like a year's worth of data and you're like, just run this against your, your, your pre-planned black box machine learning. Tell me, and it doesn't, it doesn't have any regard for like any sort of uh, internal business logic or anything. It's right. just raw data and they have no session information, you know, because they didn't have the JavaScript loaded. Then you're just literally giving them like PII and asking them to do some sort of data test before you even just say, okay, now you performed well enough there just using your network of already known information. Now let's throw you in over here and do a full POC. And by the way, we hope it works because if it doesn't, we just wasted a year. And yeah, now and my boss is going to yell at me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like all this engineering costs, right? And the opportunity costs yeah. of what they could be doing, um, that would be better. Yeah. And that's why I think this is, I mean, I had been hearing the buzzword, like I said, for so long, and it's super interesting to see, to see, to see it in action and then to now have a better understanding personally, you know, I, I like to learn all the new things that are happening in our industry. And I think this is one that's been really interesting to me after I figured out how you guys did it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's definitely a little bit different. Like, I, I don't think that, uh, you know, your sentiments are unique. I think a lot of our industry is just kind of sick and tired of those buzzwords for sure. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, especially like the new VCs that just come in from the outside. And like one thing like that was comforting for me is like, I know you guys and I like fraud tools that are built by fraud people that I know. I don't like fraud tools that come from the outside edge that have nobody in our industry that I've never known and are trying to solve for a problem. They have no idea what the rest of us face. And the fact that you guys have actually been in the industry um was very comforting to me <laughs> yeah we we fought the same fought, like fights have the same scars right exactly and like you know what I, I i like to be in battle with my brothers so there we go um are you guys building any other products too like yeah, i they, mean you could pets powerful like what you could do with this yeah so i think you know like we think of our platform in three parts so one is just like the the platform itself so some of the things you've seen um you know are because the that part of the platform is largely done right the capabilities of extracting data, workflowing it out, like having an integration station that can call it to all these third parties and then pulling all of that data together in a, a rich UI. Um, the next thing we're doing is to like kind of hand the keys over to leaders like you to have a rich UI um, for you to be able to drag and drop, um, you know, different connections to change workflows um, on the fly. So today, Anthony's team, um, Anthony on our team, like leads like the function to do all of that work for our customers because that UX is like, you know, about to, 
to drop. So we want to give like leaders like you the ability to self-serve if you want it, if you want to. Oh, okay. So, so right now, like I still have to tell you, Hey, turn this one on, turn this one on, but eventually it's going to be completely on my thing. I could just grab it and, and go if, technically if I wanted to, you guys should totally make it. So, uh, do you like, you have your own licenses with these providers and somebody can just click it without having their own license. But like, you know, you just, they pay you like a plus markup, you know, a lot like we do with like yeah. payment processing. Just, you know, thought in my head, yeah. you know, I'm sure you guys have a plenty of, uh, of monetization people over there helping you with that. But that'd be cool if I didn't have to like enter into an agreement necessarily with one of the providers myself directly. And I could just click it on with you guys on my own, especially, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that gets us to the community piece, which is that third pillar that we think about. So it's like our infrastructure for all of our customers are single tenant. So we like don't extract any data. So it's like unpopular for a fraud company. We're like, this is why we're not a fraud company. We don't extract any of that data from your customers to try to use as our data. Like we're almost like AWS and GCP where it's just whatever you put in is yours. If you want to spin down the environment, you can do so, but there's a community piece mm. that we can build on top of that. And part of that is the, uh, you know, access to all of the different tools and, you know, connecting to those tools without having to go through contracting on your own. Got the second it. part is that like, you know, the community of resources that you've built up, like in the fraud industry, right? Nobody really goes it alone. And like, there are run books, right? It's like, how would you attack this fraud ring out of like Southeast Asia? Or, you know, like here's a run book for how we like, you know, detect it detected it, right? It's bypassing, you know, certain loading of, you know, solutions we have today to like, we're instituting these checks. Like we can have shared run books that you could be like, Hey, just take a look at this playbook and then execute it on spec. I'll take you 30 minutes and this should, you know, this should do the trick. Really interesting. That's a, that's a good idea there too. Wow. This is pretty cool, man. Like I, I still, I'm still blown away. You know, I'm uh, I, sh I should have swung by for a demo uh, at one. Of, I, I think I was trying to swing by at the last MRC, but I was, it was right in the transition here where we were looking at fraud tools and getting ready to do a, a couple of POCs, like, well, Russia invaded and that kind of put a wrench yeah. in the spokes of all of those things. But uh, the, the, I should have just came and swung by and got a demo, but you know, we have MRC coming up again. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so I, we're going to kind of wind this one down a little bit, I think, uh, and let's talk about some of the top trends that are happening in your world here. Uh, let's hear it. Top three. Top three. So it's like, you know this, there's never enough engineering support for fraud, trust, and safety and payments teams. Right? Yeah, well, they always forget about us. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, there's always other dev that needs to be done, right? Always. Uh, and it's always more important. No matter what I put a, a dollar value around my project, I'm always seen as a loss not like any sort of thing that's going to make money. So I always get thrown to the back burner myself. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. The, the second thing that we see is just like, you know, these are uncertain times for online businesses, right? We went through like, like a pop with online shopping with yeah. COVID right now, like, you know, Russia's driving, you know, downward trends, like across industries, right? Yeah. You tell me, um, man, <laughs> that's, that's my right. primary market. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like it's forcing like companies to diversify into like different markets, right? So all of these things I think are ancillarily tied to fraud, right? So it's like, imagine if you wanted to launch in a new market, there's new regulatory requirements of what you can or can't sell. Um, you know, if you're launching new product lines, there's different risks associated with that, right? Like digital goods or subscription fees are abused in different ways than physical goods that are shipped. Um, so like the more online customers or online businesses need to focus on that, plus the customer experience aspect, right? Like nobody wants to wait for 
anything. Nobody wants to wait for a login to happen. No one wants to wait like to create an account and have somebody approve it. So all of that's oh, yeah. just driving like, you know, all of the like pressure from all sides for these uh, businesses that we support. That's really interesting. So, yeah. What about, uh, what about number three, man? That was two, I think. <laughs> yeah, that was two. So the, the last one is like, you know, we've been seeing such great collaboration across the industry. Right. So like, you know, one of the, like, our biggest fears was that like solutions providers would see us as competitive um, to their offerings and what we've seen, I think to the benefit of merchants and, you know, yeah. online businesses everywhere is this, there's been such great partnership, right. That's coming from huge. Um, yeah. That's huge. Like, and I, and I will say like the, the fraud industry uh, overall, like it has the, <laughs> we're all at the same parties. Uh, so all competing solutions are always at the same parties. And then a lot of us always like kind of circulate around in the industry. So you never know where anybody's going to really wind up. So you never really want to burn a bridge in the small industry. So I will say that the collaboration piece, especially from the solution providers, tends to be a little higher in this industry than it probably does in like uh, versus Apple versus Microsoft world, right. you know, but like here, you know, we are all in it together. I think there's like a little bit of playing things close to the vest as far as like the technology goes, but getting access to the solution itself is something that's completely outside of it and if you have a challenging thing you know some of these solutions are harder to integrate than others are and having this to where it be something that would just have be almost painless and and effortless would be a huge change in how all of us approach the the whole thing so this is this has been super interesting i know this is a short episode uh i i've been been getting feedback that my episodes need to be a little shorter. So I figured we just jump right in, get to the meat of this one, talk about it. So yeah, is there anything else you want to add? Anything else you want to talk about in here? Anything we didn't touch on? Like, no, I, I think the collaboration, like to bring this full circle is like why we all get into like fighting fraud, right? It's just like, we're kind of united against like abuse and yeah. sites. People right? just trying to, to, to game the systems and get something for nothing. We all got to work for it, even those guys. But I think that this is this is one of the truly interesting ideas that that's, that's been in our industry yet. And I think that um, making sure that if we could spread awareness about what it actually does is going to be super helpful, not only for you guys uh, on the sales side, but for you guys, uh, the rest of like my listeners here uh, as they go through tackling these problems. I, I was saying the other day on, on another one of these that like a lot of us are in these long-term contracts, you know, for years and years and years with our providers, but using you guys, like the wheels are already turned out in my head, like using you guys, would be a cool way for me to like just test something along the side to make sure that like the solution that I have is, is still really the solution that I, that I should be having. And I think that like just being able to, to, to check that without having to do anything is pretty damn cool. So yeah, like kudos to you guys for building this and thank you for taking the time even before this to explain to me what it actually is and how it actually works so that I can get all these little, uh, preconceived notions out of my head about like just it being another buzzword and showing me the actual technology and how it actually works. And I, and I really like any, any of my listeners that are wanting to see this on their own website, like I really encourage you guys to reach out to spec and like see a demo for yourself. Like it'll blow your mind like that emoji. <laughs> <laughs> thanks Jordan. Thanks for having me, man. It's yeah. Thanks. Thanks for being on and giving me your time and uh, we'll see you out there in the fraud fighting world. <laughs>